We're talking about new 2018 models on the way. We're talking about ridership numbers for commuters in the Pacific Northwest. We've got a really great interview with a gentleman who is on a five-month sabbatical going around the United States on his Harley-Davidson. It's all coming up on the Soundwriter Show. Support for Soundwriter and the Soundwriter Show is made possible in part by... Southbound Honda and South Sound Honda Suzuki with stores in Lacey and Olympia. Their top-rated sales and service staffs provide a simple buying experience and the knowledge to keep your motorcycle running at its best all year long. To find out more, visit them online at southsoundhonda.com. Hello, this is Bill Cameron from Skagit Power Sports. Welcome to the Sound Rider Show. And now live from the Crow's Nest Studio in beautiful downtown Broadview, Washington, Join us for the latest episode of The Sound Rider Show, a candid hour featuring the people, places, and things that make up the fabric of one of the top motorcycle riding destinations in the world. And now, here are your hosts, Tom Marin, Derek Roberts, and whoever else happens to drop by today. Whoa, it's already October, and you can feel it. Uh, you can definitely feel it. It is certainly fall out there. I was uh, riding into the studio here today, and it's chilly. I uh, made the mistake of leaving the, the uh, glass door open on the living room last night. Sure. And then it just took all the heat out of here. And now I'm running the heater. I got my long underwear on. I got my down booties on. Yeah. The what good, the heck? It's the 1st of October. The good thing is you can unplug the refrigerator. You don't have to worry about using that power, right? You just let it all refrigerate naturally. <laughs> yeah. No, but it definitely seems like uh, the riding season here is uh, it's starting to alter pretty significantly. And you talked about having some of the long base layers on. That's going to be the MO here for the month of October. Get some good gloves, a, uh, a good scarf, a nice heavy jacket because you're going to need it for these next couple of weeks. Make sure your heated seat's working. Yeah. Make sure your heated grips are working. And, you know, it, it's a nice time to ride, it actually. Is. It's a really nice time to ride. There's no smoke. The smoke's all gone. Yep. The fires are all gone. Uh, it's rained a little bit, so all the dirt and dust is down. That's a good point. Yeah, it does stick around. And plus, all the kids are back in school, so you can get out to some of those you know, outdoor hot spots. If you go and you visit, like, Mount Rainier, which will be very chilly as you start to ascend the elevation. But there's not going to be busloads of kids and families and that kind yeah, of stuff. Leavenworth. So. Yep. Crater Lake. All, go for a swim while you're out there at Crater Mountain. Lake. Yeah, that's right. Coast to coast. Yeah. <laughs> the only Why smoky not? thing left is the Smoky Mountains. Yeah, I know, man. What a brutal summer out there, though, huh? I did enjoy, though, the uh, the piece you wrote about uh, post-fire touring in the uh, September issue. Uh, that's right. If you yeah. want an idea of where to go ride right now, I I've actually kind of would like to get down to the gorge and, and take a look at what's happened down there. It's going to be an interesting sight. Yeah, that's right. Well, you know, the, uh, the rally, of course, got bumped uh, because of the forest firefighters. Uh, setting up camp over at uh, the fairgrounds there, but they had it tough down there. There were a lot of fires. Well, there. yeah, but then that place just blew up in September. It did. There I were... mean, the Eagle Creek fire happened, and yeah. that was, you know, the little Indian Creek fire was nothing, but then the Eagle Creek fire happened. Now when you go down through the gorge, I'm told, it's just you see black everywhere yeah, on the sides of the hills. It's crazy, but hopefully uh, there'll be a, a rebirth and some of that rich ash that comes down, and we'll just keep getting uh, greener and greener over these next few years as all that stuff starts to grow. 
grow back. Hopefully there won't be a lot of mudslides, but don't count on yeah. it. And you know what that means? What's that? When when people get ready to go ride next spring, they're going to find so much road construction going on That's because true. they're fixing all the places where there was slides and stuff. Yep. So if you're listening and you don't have a dual sport motorcycle, make sure you start shopping this fall and winter because you're going to need it next year. Yeah, right. <laughs> we always do because earthquakes are coming, you know. That's Yeah, that's right. One natural disaster uh, after the next. <laughs> so you were asking me what I've been doing yeah. since the rally. Yeah. And uh, I went out and uh, we did the Sasquatch tour. Right. But uh, this year Connie stayed home and I drove the truck. So I carried everybody's gear in the truck. Okay. So that they didn't have so much gear on their bikes and they could have fun. So you decided to take the truck and not your gold wing with trailer? Nah. Right. You- <laughs> nah. Yeah, well, that's good, though. I mean, you have a good turnout this year. How was uh, the it scenery? It was a pretty good turnout, yeah. and it was beautiful. We had rain on Monday and part of Tuesday. Okay. Uh, so we went around the Olympic Peninsula. Nice. Dual sport route. Great. So they got to go out to the high bridge. They also got to go out to another bridge that not a lot of people know about, and we put that on the route. It's a it's a rail bridge. It doesn't have any uh, guardrails on the side of it. Oh, that's interesting. Um, and then they got to go well, – let's see. We went out to the coast and stayed the night out there in Pacific Beach, and uh, – then we went up to Forks and uh, – well, I, I might have been the only one who went all the way into the whole, re- whole rainforest. But uh, it's my second trip to the whole rainforest. And once again, it was raining but not when I got to the rainforest. Oh, I got you. So it was the, uh, the dry the – whole, the whole dry forest while you were there. It was yeah. moist. Yeah. <laughs> I got to take a nice walk and it was beautiful. And uh, It is gorgeous. And then uh, because of a, of a rock slide, everybody had a different route to get over to Solduck Hot Springs. And uh, we got over to Solduck, and uh, a couple of us imbibed in the hot spring itself. That's great. And then, uh, let's see, I was um, sleeping in the car every night. Okay, comfortable. I was going really low budget this time. Yeah. And so uh, what I'd have to do is, like, take... And reshuffle the car every night. Sure. And then put it all back together so I could carry everybody's gear the next day. So seat the back seat's down, you're, sp- you're splayed out in the back and sort of yeah. the trunk back seat area. Yeah, with an with air mat back there. Okay, nice. Yeah. But uh, somewhere between doing the rally in the gorge yeah. and uh, an event we do for the dining magazine where I have to herk about 25 cases of wine. Right. And then putting the seat back and forth, putting the car back and forth every day, I, I, I managed to really tweak my back up. Oh, boy. So I've kind of been mending that up with hot, with heat and cold and some yeah. stretches and exercises and stuff. Well, so. I think you need two things. One, I think you need a van because it sounds like you're doing a lot of hauling these days, so we might need to uh, upgrade from the element there. But also it sounds like you could use a hydrotherapy tour, man. Hit some of those hot springs this, this uh, fall. Well, see, I, I kind of had a little hydrotherapy moment at yeah, Solduck. at the Solduck, of course, yeah. yeah. And then uh, everybody got the, – the next day they got to go up onto the ridge between Highway 112 and 101 up by Lake Crescent and, and get that view from up there. Gorgeous. And then they dropped down and uh, cruised all the way out on the eddy out by Port Angeles. There's an eddy that goes out. And uh, most people never go out there. But you can go out all the way to where the gate is for the Coast Guard Station. And you get a really nice view of the Olympics. Well, you know, that's a great tip because uh, one of the things I know that keeps me from visiting the Olympic Peninsula frequently 
is the crowds. Of course, as we get into fall, that starts to shrink down a little bit. But it's nice to know some of the less discovered paths out there because there yeah. are a lot. It's a big, big space. You don't realize it. And it's just really, it's just so, so beautiful out there. I mean, how could you beat the Olympic Peninsula? That's uh, nice. Yeah. It's nice. And, uh, and, and there again, it was kind of raining once in a while. But it cleared up enough. Everybody got some nice views. Right. Um, and then in the afternoon, some of us went up to Hurricane Ridge. Beautiful. And uh, those with uh, adventure bikes and dual sports that wanted to were able to go all the way out to the Observation Point or Observation Peak Road, I think they call it. Right. And uh, it was 34 degrees. Woo! <laughs> That's above freezing, though, so you don't have to worry about road conditions still. It's a little bit nippy out yeah. there. So speaking of heated vests and uh, heated gloves, I hope some uh, some of the riders had those with them. I would think they would have. Yeah. I Yeah, they, they, they no one really complained too much about it being too cold. That's good. So, um, And then, let's see, the fourth day was the final day, and everybody cruised around over uh, the Dungeness River and uh, out to Quilcene. We all had lunch out at the Timber House. And then uh, people who wanted to finish up the whole final loop were able to go down to uh, Lake Cushman using mostly Forest Service roads. Man, just action-packed couple of days there. That sounds like a great, uh, a great sort of uh, route that you've got laid out. Um, any ideas where next year Sasquatch may uh, may hold? I'm gonna keep it a secret for now. But okay. how about uh, down the Oregon Cascades and back up the other side of them? All right. So not the Smoky Mountains, though. No smoky mountain. <laughs> and probably we'll do it earlier next year. Yeah. Like um, early June. Oh, so okay. So that's going to be interesting because you never know what's happening with snow at that time. Right. Getting really hard to ride motorcycles around here, I tell you. The weather is more and more unpredictable. But either way, you know, that's part of it, especially for Sasquatch. It's an adventure tour. So you got to get out there and you got to hit the road and explore a little bit. And, you know, those little, uh, little curveballs are all part of the. Uh, part of the trip part yeah of the, adventure. The, the trick with doing a sasquatch tour in the middle of june is that the pre-riders can't get through some of the, for sure they right. can't get through some of the places because they're covered in snow yes so then we all have to sort of take crapshoot on it we don't know if the road will be open or not but that's just part of the adventure too you know that's absolutely it well hey maybe you send some of those pre-riders through on uh four wheels pre-drivers right uh we've had people like that before yeah. <laughs> yes we have uh, and uh, one of them had to have his uh, truck winched out by a tow truck one day. See, so, I love hearing those so stories. That's that's the that's the real fun stuff. <laughs> well, the Sasquatch is always a is always a great adventure tour, and uh, I'm looking forward to uh, seeing the route next year. But you know, while we're still here this year in 2017, we're about at that time where we start to see some of the new 2018 models roll out. There's quite a bit uh, going on this year. So, um, I don't know. I got a couple here that I wrote down. I think you've got a couple written yeah. down over there. Um, if you're not a BMW enthusiast, and you, you may or may not know, they have a bagger that came out. And it just hit the stores in the last month. A little interesting move, don't you think? I was a little surprised to see that come out from BMW. Well, they've done something like that before, back when they did the R1200C at about 1997. Okay. They had it in the James Bond movie, the cruiser bike that they made. Interesting. So it's not the first time. That would have been, what, 1997? Is that the Pierce Brosnan era? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. 
And uh, so I don't know. I think they're just, you know. Experimenting, seeing yeah. what takes off a little bit. It's a good time to experiment when you've got bike sales down, you know. Yeah, I mean, you Throw do kind of have the wall to, and see if it sticks. Well, it's a good point. I mean, as long as you can repurpose some of the major components like engines and that kind of thing, I mean, roll out a few thousand models and see what you can get from them, I suppose. <laughs> God, I don't know. That seems to be the way that things are, are working these days anyhow, huh? Yeah. So uh, then uh, Ducati has a new Super Ligera, but they have something called the 1299 Panigale R Final Edition. Uh-oh. So... I don't understand. Does this mean it's the end of the Panigale? Well, I don't know because I saw uh, it looked like it had Kiss and Signia on it. So if this is the final edition, like all of Kiss's farewell concerts, then we'll probably see it over and over again. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I like the Eagles. Yeah. Like, like when <laughs> hell freezes over model. A little bit of a long way to go there. But I don't know. I have a hard time believing that. Well, maybe this is – that's going to be back though, right? The Panigale. Like it's not going to go away. I don't know. You think we'll it see. will? Oh. We'll have to see. Well, now taking bets, so. So it looks like uh, Honda's really getting into their CBR650 motor. They've yeah. got a 650F and a CB650F. So I haven't seen those yet, but they must be hitting the floors right about now. Makes sense to me, though, right? Why not leverage that motor? And then that uh, CRF250L with ABS this year. Okay. And then the, the new rally model, which I have seen the new rally model, but I haven't seen it in person yet. Uh, I'm a fan of the pictures anyway. Nice little windscreen on there, lightweight, 250. I think it's a good all-around uh, introductory dual sport. Or one of those things, too, that you can uh, put on the back of the SUV or pickup truck, You know, drive it to some fun places, maybe like Utah or out to Idaho, and ride around for a weekend and then come back. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I like a good 250 with a 21-inch wheel in the front and an 18 in the back. I'm with you. You know what I like better than that is a 1996 350 with a 21-inch wheel in the front and an 18-inch wheel in the back. I love the Suzuki DR350 that yours truly rides. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, they're bringing that back, aren't they? The Heritage model. They definitely should, but it's the uh, Derek model. What about uh, Harley-Davidson doing a whole upside-down thing on uh, dumping all the dinas, basically redoing the entire Softail lineup? This is uh, a big question that I have for you know over the next two or three years here, is what direction is Harley-Davidson going to take, and what's going to happen to Ducati? You know, I mean, mm. those, there's a lot. Obviously, Harley was talking about maybe potentially acquiring Ducati. We know they're up for sale, so that's kind of out there. But th- there's going to have to be some movement here. We're not seeing really great bike sales these last couple of years. Right. And we know that trends, Ducatis, I think, are still uh, pretty popular with some of the younger crowds. But Harley is uh, perhaps losing a little bit of its mystique. So. Yeah, and I think Ducati's done a better job of getting into the the, the younger demographics than Harley has. Although Harley sure has tried with yeah. all the different uh, extreme sports stuff that they've been sponsoring. I don't know. You know, do you think that like uh, being a sponsor of the uh, kickboxing or what was that wrestling that they do? Like MMA? Do they sponsor that? Yeah, you see their logo all over the floor. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So I, I don't know if that helps them or not. But you know, that's I a guess. great question. I don't know. Maybe we should do a whole thorough review of uh, Harley's marketing and see if they are willing to hire us as consultants. Yeah, there. Yeah. there. Now we have a winner project. <laughs> yeah. Good. It uh, looks like Kawasaki redid the whole Z series of bikes that they have. Those are the, the standards that they 
they're not ninjas, but they're right. That's like one uh, thousands and the six fifties and all that. Yeah, a little super sport there. Act. You know, I'm a, I'm a fan of Kawasaki. I think uh, I think they put out some great bikes. So uh, I'll be interested to see how those fare on the market. You know, these high powered sport bikes. What do you think the market's going to be like that for uh, for those one thousand cc sport bikes over the next couple of years? Mm. People going to be ponying up for that? Do you think? I think it's going to be flat. Yeah, I if mean, be- at th- best. that's that's kind of my inclination as well, which I guess if I see any opportunity, it's uh, also with Kawasaki. They're bringing back the KLX 250, mm-hmm. which uh, they kind of hit the pause button on for a few years. But I feel like that's a nice, affordable you know, motorcycle that you can ride around town. You can even take out and do a little touring on. I think that maybe that's more of an opportunity for them. Yeah, and when they do the small bike releases like that, um, they're also good for loading up the motorcycle safety programs in That's different true. states. Yeah. So they use bikes like that for that. Good point. Uh, Suzuki, not a lot going on over there. Did a, a whole redo on the RMZ 450, yeah. which is kind of what they do every two or three years anyways. But uh, not a lot of new models otherwise. And we noticed that the, uh, the V-Strom 650s are gone. Yeah, for 2018 anyway. Yeah, for yeah. 2018. That seems, That's bizarre. It seems like that would be one of their more popular models. Well, it makes me wonder if there's so much inventory in the marketplace yeah. that um, they're just going to let that get sold through as non-currents next year and then maybe come back with the 650s 2019, 2020. I, I can know. see that. I mean, that the, uh, the 650 V-Strom Adventure, that seems like a nice little segment that they kind of had to themselves, doesn't it? Yeah. You know, I mean, an affordable, more street-oriented, but capable of doing some limited dual-sport touring. Yeah, 650 adventure touring bikes, there's not really a whole lot of them. No, because, I mean, the, the KLR is it, it's significantly different than the v uh, Yeah, I mean, it's it's it's... It's it's not the bike I think – if I think of, a, of an adventure touring bike, I'm thinking of a bike I'm going to have probably 90% on the pavement. Right. You know? That's absolutely and right. And I don't yeah. think I want to do that with a KLR. And a KLR doesn't have – when you talk about adventure touring, you'll have to spend the money to build it out, to yeah. put the luggage racks on and all that stuff, whereas the, the 650 Adventure had all that on it. That's so. true. But, you know, the only new thing that we see so far – and it's still a, a little early, so maybe Suzuki has something else up their sleeve, but – with the RMZ 450, when is somebody going to take the plunge and make a 450cc dual sport I motorcycle? I hear you. Like, <laughs> so many people could have done this by now. Honda could have done it. Yamaha could have done it. They got all these power plants. Yeah. I don't understand it. Well, I feel like it would be a great move for Suzuki to take the DRZ 400, add another 50cc on it with no weight gain. Yeah, well, there'd be weight gain when I put the luggage on. Well, that's true, yeah. Or when I sit on it. Or the winter weight, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I would love to see that. I mean, I think that would be a a segment that would be very, very popular, something that could cruise comfortably in air quotes here at uh, maybe 70 miles an hour. We just We just don't have that, so... I don't know. The siren called all the manufacturers out there. I've wanted one for a long time. Yeah. And I, you know, I'd take a, I'd take a Super Tenere at 450 or oh, 600 too. Absolutely, yeah. I don't need a 1,000 cc. No. Give me something I can pick up when I do take it on the dirt. 
So then uh, it looks like Yamaha, they, they've got that, that new, they call it transcontinental touring, which yeah. means you should ride it between Mexico and America. Oh, no, wait, it won't fit through the wall. Right. <laughs> um, but uh, hey, oh, that's out. Here. Yeah. That's in stores now. You can go and take a look. In fact, a number of dealers are, have demo bikes. So, um, But I know you are really excited about the new Yamaha X-Max 292cc scooter. Yeah, I can't wait to get my, uh, my paws on that. Uh, apparently 75 miles to the gallon. It looks like it has a pretty aerodynamic shape. Do you think that's feasible, 75 MPGs? You know, I want to ride it. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I did ride the Kimco Downtown 300 for oh. about 200 miles one day. Sure. And I uh, actually got up to 85 miles an hour. Okay, I can see that. And that, that worked okay for me in Montana. Yeah. Um, so, you know, maybe so. I've I've never really liked the the Yamaha scooters as much as my Honda okay. or or even the BMW scooters a pretty nice one. But uh I I'd be interested in looking at this one. I'm always a little bit perplexed as to who the market is for scooters that are more than 50cc. Like I know you have one and you swear by it, but I don't I don't feel like I see a lot of those out there cuz you still need a motorcycle endorsement. Um, they can get quite expensive. I mean, I see some of these 650cc scooters going 10,000 plus. Yeah, well, I, I tell you what I've noticed about that demographic yeah. of who the market could be. They're they've got too much ego to buy a scooter, and I'm talking about people that are 60 plus. I got gotcha. 60 plus who can't throw their legs over a motorcycle, but they'd rather just go through the excruciating pain of doing it. Rather than buying a step-through scooter and enjoying life. So you hit, you know, 65 years old and you've got your Harley Davidson and you can't ride it. It's been in the garage for five years, but you're just looking at that going, I can't go from a Harley to a, oh, a, no, an X-Max scooter. <laughs> but uh, the people who get beyond that, um, happy scooter owners, you know. Scooters are a blast. They're a blast, you know. I mean, they're, they're on two wheels and they have an engine. I mean, they're basically a motorcycle. Um so I, but I still I don't see a ton on the road. That's why I'm always, you know, every every um, Japanese OEM has a significant scooter selection, and then you have the Kimcos, you have still the Vespas and that kind of thing. I just I don't see a ton of them. Maybe it's just the Pacific Northwest. I don't know. Well, you know what? We're going to take a break right now. Yeah. When we come back, we are going to talk about that specific number. Yeah. Pacific Northwest. Who's riding? Who's not? And uh, you unveiled some very interesting stuff. We'll be right back. Support for the Soundwriter Show is provided in part by Adventure Motorsports, Stomish County's largest selection of Yamaha and Suzuki motorcycles, ATVs, quads, and UTVs are available in Monroe at Adventure Motorsports. Celebrating a decade of top-rated sales, service, parts, and accessory support, hit the road and visit Adventure Motorsports today. Hey, I'm Don Hutchins. I'm the editor of the Washington State BMW Riders newsletter, The Shaft. I live in Kingston. My favorite ride is the Tahuya Peninsula on my K1600 with my sweetie on the back. Hey, this is the room from Motocorsa. What's up? You're listening to the Sound Rider Show, the only show that I listen to when I want to talk about motorcycles.
on this October edition of the Sound Rider Show. We're going to roll into the News Bite segment, as we always do at this time. And, you know, fall can sometimes be a little quiet, but we've got some interesting nuggets out there um, on rider behavior, a couple of recalls and stuff. So why don't we jump right in? Do you want me to go into this uh, this commute behavior? Yeah, let's go into the commute behavior. we got them all teased up out there. Yeah, so, you know, I was reading this article, and this is uh, – I, I found this on Seattle.curbed. Com. So Curbed is kind of like a neighborhood, uh, I don't know, I guess magazine, online sort of thing, but they have specific to different cities. Should and- I take this with a fake news grain of salt? No. So there is uh, – these results are from actually the um, – let's see here. It's from Commute Seattle, which is a nonprofit partnership between the Downtown Seattle Association, King County Metro, Sound Transit, and the Seattle Department of Transportation. Okay. So it seems to be pretty legitimate here. But anyway, what they're doing in this study is uh, they were analyzing sort of the way that people commute uh, into Seattle. Seattle is, I think, safe to say a boom town at this point, and uh, transportation is more and more of an issue. Uh, It's getting very, very congested. And so they were reporting on how people are moving around, and it looks like right now, overwhelmingly, the most downtown uh, commute trips happen on public transportation, which is 47.3%. So I guess that's been working to push for that over the over the years. Yeah, well, the push for it <clears> or <throat> the necessity of it, right? Um, because there is a, a mention here a little bit later in the article about um, how much time people spend every year uh, looking for parking spaces, and it's a, ah. it's a pretty astronomical number. But uh, as we kind of get down into the study a little bit, one of the numbers that stood out to us as motorcycle riders is that 29.7% of downtown commutes are on motorcycle. Are not on a motorcycle. <laughs> that would really be good times for the dealers, wouldn't it? If we had. Uh, oh, man, we'd be rocking. <laughs> yeah. Be good times for us here at Sound Rider, too. But 29.7% are happening as uh, single vehicle commutes. So within this subset, this would include motorcycle and scooter riders. Now, of that 29.7%, would you care to venture a guess, Tom, of how many people do that on motorcycles or scooters? I'm going to guess that it's um, 5 to 10%. So you are astronomically high on that. It's actually 0.6% of that 29.7%. Which turns out to be 0.2 of everybody. Yes, so not, 100%. not a lot of people doing motorcycle and scooter commuting. So if it's 0.2, and we assume at this time that about 2.5% of the population own motorcycles, right. then we know that only 10% of those people are actually commuting daily on their motorcycles. It, and we're just talking in Seattle. In but. Seattle, yeah. But I think there's some extrapolation that can probably be made uh, based on that, to some of the other metros in the Pacific Northwest. I mean, I would imagine that Portland's probably not too far off. Yep. You know, yep. Boise obviously has a much harsher winter. So on Monday morning when you wake up, nine out of ten motorcycles will be sitting in the garage of people's homes that could be commuting on them. Right. So, hmm. you know, motorcycle commuting for work, it does have a few challenges, right? I mean, if you are in a professional environment and you have to wear, you know, a suit – or wingtips or whatever it may be, it can add some time to your commute if you got to get in and out of your motorcycling clothes. Well, that's why Aerostitch has their one-piece roadcrafter suit. They definitely do, yes. And if you can avoid the wrinkles in your professional attire, um, then you don't have to pack them separately. Um, 
But also, you know, it can be riding in downtown. It's not always easy, right? There's a lot of clutch work. There's a lot of stop and go. You've got some mm-hmm. steep hills, especially when it's wet or when it's cold. Mm-hmm. And uh, you still have to sit. You can't split lanes. You know? Uh, yeah. What do you think the impact would be if you could split lanes in downtown in traffic? In downtown? Yeah. Because obviously that's something that's been talked about year over year. Yeah. Well, we know the impact initially would be a lot of ticked off motorist. Yes, there'd be a lot of people that wouldn't be aware of it. And then we uh, for the long term uh, you know, it just it spooks the heck out of me when someone's lane spinning around me. Yeah, when you're down in California, it definitely catches yeah, you off guard exactly. for sure. But you do see a lot of people do it successfully though. I mean, I know this isn't really the, the point of the uh, the conversation here, but I, I'm always you know, I'm interested in kind of brainstorming ways and how we can encourage people to use motorcycles as everyday transportation because I Personally, I think that can help alleviate some of the traffic problems that we see. Well, it it alleviates some of the parking problems, which has always been a problem in downtown yep. Seattle, that they don't care about motorcycle parking, and they're not interested in creating more. Right. So, and they've proven that time and time again in the 18 years we've had this magazine. Yeah. So we've had various debates go on about it, and over and over and over again, They've proven they're not interested in finding parking spots for motorcycles, even though you can put one motor, four motorcycles where a car goes. Definitely, yeah. Um, now, I myself, and I know that this isn't going to be popular amongst bicycle riders, but I say, hey, if you're on a bicycle and you can ride in the bike lane and on the uh, sidewalk, if you're on a motorcycle, let's put you in the uh, street lane and in the bike lane. You know, I see people on motorcycles going down the bus lane yeah. on 99 sometimes in the morning. That's not legal. Well. But I don't see why you couldn't go ahead and open it up to uh, uh, two-wheel vehicles. I mean, in all honesty, too, because if a bike is moving at, say, 10 or 15 miles an hour um, – that's great, right? They're moving at 10 or 15 miles an hour. But if you've got bumper-to-bumper traffic and you're on a motorcycle, I'd much rather ride at 15 miles an hour in the bike lane than I would No, I'm not there. talking about the bike lane. I'm talking about the bus lane. Oh, well, I know, yeah. But, I mean, I'm talking about the bike lanes, too. Well, I don't say, want motorcycles in the bicycle lane. I, I ride a bicycle, too, and the last thing I want is a guy on a motorcycle coming up my bicycle lane. Well, I feel the same way on the sidewalk with bicyclists, though. <clears throat> In fact, I'm the terror to all the people in the bicycle lane because my bicycle is an electric bicycle. Oh, that's a motorcycle. And I can easily do 20 miles an hour going down Nickerson Street. I don't terrify anybody. Sure. But there are times when I need to go around people. Of course, yeah. And then the, the, the crazy one is I get all the people coming at me on the bridge in my direction when they should, frankly, they should be on the other side of the bridge. Going with traffic. Yeah, they're yeah. not moving with traffic. So then, you know, there's really not a lot of room to pass each other on those on those drawbridges. No, that's true on the drawbridges for sure. But, but yeah, please don't ride your motorcycle in the bicycle lane on the drawbridge. I see. In the wrong direction. <laughs> not in the wrong direction for sure. Uh, but still very interesting, you know, not a lot of motorcycle commuters here, despite having somewhat favorable weather. I'd be interested to know, like, what the comparison is, say, to, I don't know, Daytona Beach, right? How many people are motorcycle commuting there? Probably more. Yeah. 
Or, uh, that's just off the top of my head. Yeah. Uh, you know what? Uh, sh- uh, either post that link up on the Facebook page or shoot it to me and I'll post it. Okay. I know you can get in. So, yeah. so if you could, if you wouldn't mind posting that up for people to read, it might be good reading for people. Absolutely. They have nothing to do right now. They're all trying to stay warm in their hovels. Well, they have to listen to the Sound Writers show, though. You <laughs> make time for that. But now, you know, uh, Honda is going to bring their balance bike. To the Tokyo Motorcycle Show later this month. Oh yeah, and you the know they got the DCT transmission. Of yep. course, this balance bike may be electric. I don't know. Um, so that might be the solution. You you don't have to use your clutch and your and shift gears and stuff in traffic. You could basically just sort of tape a nap on your bike while you're going to work. Yeah. So now all you need, you need your dual sport bike for adventure touring. You need your electric bike for commuting. You need your cruiser bike so that you can look cool and fit in with all the cruisers. So just keep buying motorcycles, and eventually you'll have everything you need. Yeah, if you sell your car and all you do is ride a motorcycle, yeah. you're going to help get that number up on people commuting in the city. Yeah, that's a, that's <laughs> that's true. That's a tough sell, but uh, but yeah, but I think you're right though. The uh, DCT transmission, I think those are going to start to be pretty prevalent in the conversation of motorcycling over the next uh, ten years or so. So you got another one you want to pop out? I do, yeah. This is more of a nationwide study here, but uh, this uh, company, Pied Piper, been around for about a decade. They did this big research study on uh, how dealerships respond through their online inquiry forms, right? So they contacted uh, almost 2,200 dealerships all throughout the nation, and they found that uh, in 2017, you get a response 91% of the time within 24 hours, and that is up from 30% of the time in 2008. So this is internet inquiries. That's right. So, at the dealers. The dealers are now responding at 91%, right. where they were, it would only respond at about 30% before. That's correct, yeah. Okay. Uh, one of the caveats on this, of course, though, is that these responses include the autoresponders. Yep. Right? So that's like a, hey, thank you for, uh, for thank contacting us. Thank you for your us. interest in our dealership. Someone will get back to you shortly. Yeah, absolutely. So on the tops of this, the score is from 0 to 100. And any guess on what dealerships scored the highest overall? Harley-Davidson. So you're close. It was actually BMW with a score of 36, but that's out of 100. So 36, see, so that means that uh, autoresponder things could not have been calculated into that number. Right. So they were looking at, you know, the overall number of responses, but with the autoresponders, they actually still found that, like, uh, about a third um, of the autoresponders didn't include the dealer's name or contact information. Oh, great. So, yeah, so it basically just said, thank you for contacting us. Don't use that admin panel on your website when you set this stuff up. There's no reason to touch that button. And uh, they also found that uh, a lot of the uh, the dealerships didn't answer the questions when people asked them. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a huge problem. And, you know, looking at some of this stuff, there's a long way to go in motorcycle customer service. But particularly with the online, the reason I found this so interesting is because we always sit around, and I say us uh, loosely, those in the motorcycle world, hemming and hawing about how are we going to get the next generation. Yep. And you know what the next generation does not do? Pick up a phone. They don't pick up a phone. Yep. So if you are not having an A-plus game – if you don't have an A-plus game plan in place uh, for how you're going to respond to web inquiries, these are just going to go by the wayside. 
yep. people aren't going to pick up the phone like they would 10 years ago. And then the business goes to the next town 10 miles away. Not only does it go to the next uh, town 10 miles away, it goes to the next recreational pursuit. Yeah. It, it goes to video games. It goes to computer. It goes to skydiving, skydiving, golfing, whatever it may be. Right. Um, and you know, I see this. I work in the uh, the multifamily industry, the apartment industry, and I've done a lot of sales and marketing over my career. This was a big shift in multifamily when they started to realize, hey, uh, millennials don't pick up the phone. They also want to have a hundred percent of the information at their fingertips before they do come in and look. And uh, some of those inquiries may be like, hey, can you give me this bike for $2,000 less? And then, you know, the only – and when you say well, they didn't answer the question, what they'll say is they'll say, come on in and we'll make you a deal. Well, so to be fair, these inquiries were – of the uh, 2,200 uh, motorcycle dealerships were all generated by this company, Pied Piper. So I don't think that they would take – a, uh, That's a company out of Malalog- Malagro or uh, – You talking about it at uh, Trump's, Mar-a-Lago, Trump's Florida, Golf Resort? Time. No. Uh, these guys are in Monterey, California. They're a consultancy. Okay, so let's do this. Let's yeah. let's also get that link up on Facebook. Yeah, so that people can read the the whole article because we're not going to read the whole article here on the show. Yeah, of course. But some interesting reading there, also for the dealers that might be listening, which we know you are. All right. Uh, you like to play video games? Uh, I haven't played video games in over a decade. What about you? I don't do them. Yeah. But uh, some people do. And so uh, years ago, all the way until about 2002, there was a video game called Road Rash. Oh, yeah. And it was a motorcycle video game. I remember that. It's coming back. Wow. So all you gamers out there, get your VR headsets on and get ready to play Road Rash. That was, uh, if I remember correctly, you would ride your motorcycle, and in the bad 16-bit days, uh, days of the Sega Genesis, you would try to beat up other motorcyclists. Oh, yeah, and some of them had like, like uh, uh, semi-automatic rifles yeah. that they were shooting with their left hand and crazy stuff. And I so. think you could take a chain and kind of swing it around yeah, a little bit. a little Mad so. Max, maybe. <laughs> hmm. Sounds like fun times, though. I... Uh, I guess better in the video world than in the real world, perhaps. I got a local news bite. Let's hear that. Uh, Lifestyles Honda up in uh, Mount Vernon, Washington, has won the District Dealer of the Year Award for Can-Am Spider Sales. Wow. Well, that's a nice little feather in their cap there. That's good for them. It looks like Can-Am Spiders. I, I see quite a few of them on the road. Yeah. You know, they seem well, to be Well, see, that's prevalent. those people who don't want to throw a leg over a bike anymore. They can stand up on a spider without it falling over yeah. and then get a leg over it. And it's, uh, you know, different from a scooter. It definitely is, yeah. <laughs> you ever ridden a Can-Am Spider? I never have. How about you? You need to go ride one sometime. What do you What do you think? It's um, a- I had fun with it. Yeah. But I, it's not my cup of tea. I got you. Not yet, anyway. You never know. I had fun throwing the brakes on in a parking lot. Really hard to see what it would do. Yeah. If I could get that rear end to lift up. ABS on, though? I mean, they must have that on some of the That one, no, it's first year, and it didn't have ABS. Okay. Sounds like fun. Uh, Well, I've got a a bit of a news bite here as well from Icon um, that I wanted to put some people on Which is a local news bite because Icon is a local company. That's right, down in Oregon. And uh, they've issued a recall 
uh, on their Alliance Dark GT motorcycle helmets for a safety issue, and it sounds like some of the D-rings on the chin strap are coming loose. Oops. Yep. So uh, if you're out there and you've got an Alliance Dark GT motorcycle helmet by Icon, uh, you need to get in touch with them in regards to getting this repaired, or in some cases, they'll give you a new helmet. So uh, you don't want to lose... Uh, your chin strap if you come off the bike. No. D-rings are pretty important. That would be like your seatbelt not working during a crash or something. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Not ideal. But just a heads up on there in case you are wearing an Icon helmet. And then once you get your new helmet in or you have your current helmet that you don't have to send back for a recall, you can uh, check out the new Senna 30K headset, which is the latest and the greatest in the Bluetooth technology where you can get a number of people in your group all wired together wirelessly. Right. And uh, I don't know why they call it the 30K, but I hope it doesn't cost 30K. <laughs> Maybe it's the uh, the idea is that it will inspire you to ride 30,000 miles in any given year. Um, <laughs> Senna makes good stuff. I don't really have too much of use from it because I'm a solo rider, so I don't need to connect to uh, cars as they're going down the highway. But uh, I do like a good... Um, audio headset where I can listen to music through uh, through my phone and that kind of stuff. I have I've done it. I had one, and then uh, it wasn't a Senna. I have, I have a Senna here, and I have a Cardo here. Yeah. And then I had another, uh, I can't remember. Oh, it was uh, Nolan. Oh, yeah. And it was built into my Nolan helmet. And it, it failed after about six months. I sent it back, got it back, uh, Another 12 months later, it didn't work anymore. The battery wouldn't charge. Nothing worked. So mm. I just gave up and I don't listen to music anymore when I ride. You just listen to the, the inner monologue? Yeah, whatever I'm thinking about. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, I did just get some Bose Quiet 20, QC20 headphones. Okay. That are noise canceling. I'm going to try them in my helmet. The trouble I always have with headphones in my helmet is that when I go to either put it on or pull it off, it just rips them out of my ears, and I don't like that. So these are earbuds. These go in the yeah. uh, in the ear here, and they're noise canceling. And they're noise canceling. And uh, I can tell you, around the house here, when I take a walk and stuff, when I use them, they are amazing at yeah. the volume of noise they cut out. Well, that would be a uh, a nice sort of compromise between uh, earplugs and then you get the uh, additional sound benefits, being able to listen to music. Yeah. Especially on those long days. I mean, I, I'm a fan of listening to music, and it's great to be able to block out yeah. some of the I've droning. been looking for something like that for years if it would work. Yeah. I always worry about people with, like, piercing in their ears or their nose, and they go to take their helmet off, and their microphone grabs the earring in their nose. Yeah. Wow, that would hurt, huh? Yeah. That would not feel very good at all. That's why I uh, avoid the piercings. At least uh, above the shoulders. <laughs> uh, I got one more local news bite. Let's get it. And it's and it's national, too. All right. Uh, Honda Motorcycles is coming up with a series of videos about, you know, everybody's into this favorite rides thing. Yeah. Rider Magazine's doing it, and all these people are doing favorite rides. So uh, Honda's doing a series of videos of favorite rides, and for Washington State, they have chosen a route that goes from Kapowskin, which is south of uh, Tacoma, yep, all the way to Yakima, and it goes up over probably Mount Rainier National Park, I would imagine and so, then up yeah. uh, Cayuse and uh, Chinook Pass. Okay. 
So they just put the teaser out the other day about this. They haven't actually released any of the videos. Interesting. But uh, they'll be coming soon. So if you're uh, if you're signed up for the Honda, I think it's the Red Rider newsletter, uh, then you can you can follow along as these videos get released. That'd be interesting to see. That is, I haven't ridden that specifically, but I've been in and out of the area crisscrossing. A lot of beautiful country. Yeah. You know, I mean, anytime you go by Mount Rainier, but even uh, south of Tacoma there, just on sort of the uh, southern end of the Olympic Peninsula, is uh, is quite spectacular, too. Yeah, now, if they, if, they, if they get a camera rolling up in the national park, let me tell you, that is like reams of red tape to get an A-OK for that. Really? And, you know, now you can't put a drone in a national park. I did see that. I was down in uh, Mount Rainier National Park just a few weeks ago, and I noticed the signs. So to pull it all off, you got to go through a lot of red tape. My guess is they've already made they, – they've at least already cut the video. Yeah. But it may not be done yet, but uh, they probably cut all the parts this summer. Uh, you know, it was really nice and smoky and – it's gonna be yeah, that's true. Yeah, it'll be just nothing but uh, minutes and minutes of uh, footage of haze. Yeah, right? haze, smoke, people's going. Oh. Right. <laughs> it's still nice to have Washington represented there, and I, I yeah, I, Honda always does a good job with their marketing videos, so I'm I'm interested to see that. All right, uh, got a good. You know what? We got a full calendar for October too. Yeah. So let's take a little break here. When we come back, we'll get into that. Support for SoundRider and the SoundRider Show is made possible in part by Skagit Power Sports, where you'll find one of the largest selections of new and used motorcycles, apparel, and gear in the North Sound. Skagit Power Sports provides a relaxed atmosphere and no-pressure sales staff to get you into your next bike simply and quickly. And that's why they are consistently voted the top dealer in the Pacific Northwest by SoundRiders year after year. Visit them in Burlington today or find them online at SkagitPowerSports.com. Hey, I'm Gordon from West Seattle, and uh, one of my favorite recent rides was the Reuben Run down in Oregon. Hi, this is Mark from Valentine Motorworks, and you're listening to the Sound Rider Show. In studio here on the October edition of the Sound Rider Show. And, you know, I'm looking around the studio here just before we go into the calendar. And maybe this was a past calendar moment, but I'm just seeing the sticker here, Tom. The 2017 Reverend White Smokes Retreat, Fossil Oregon, Solar Eclipse, Rally in the Gorge, Northwest Hooligans. And I got to ask you, what is that all about? <laughs> So that is uh, a sticker that was made by a longtime friend of uh, Soundwriter, Bill, okay. Reverend White Smoke. All right. And uh, Bill was at the 2006 rally in the Gorge. And uh, when, a, when a group sort of got dubbed as the Hooligans right. and uh, were asked not to return. Uh-oh. <clears throat> but he was not uh, asked not to return. Okay. Uh, nor were some of the other people that, that – uh, 
they do this thing. They make these stickers. And so if you look on my bicycle over there, there's a 2012 Northwest Hooligan sticker there. So that's where that comes from. Uh, Reverend White Smoke, that's sort of his... His, his handle, name. right. And it says Reverend White Smoke Retreat. And so Bill uh, has set up a – he's bought a house in Fossil, Oregon. Oh, nice. And he's been working on it all summer and uh, put it, put in sort of a bunkhouse room in it where three or four people could go down there with their motorcycles, rent the house for a week or two, and ride all over Fossil. Well, that's a pretty good setup. Yeah, that's a really good place for riding. Yeah. Uh, both dual sport and off uh, – and uh, – you know, both on-road and off-road. Sure, yeah. Uh, the Fossil Oregon Solar Eclipse. So what he did was uh, he and a few of his buddies hung out in Fossil, worked on the house, and they were there for the eclipse. Which was supposed to be quite prevalent in that part of Oregon, if I right. remember correctly. Yeah, yeah. It was a, it was that, uh, at Fossil, right. I think it was like a 99-plus right. coverage on that. And then uh, they left the, the house that Wednesday and came up to the rally in the gorge. Oh, nice. Okay. So that's how that all came together. That's got a good story behind it there. I just I assume that the Northwest Hooligans were those scooter riders you had to throw out. I'm going to put those guys bus. all yeah. on scooters sooner or later. <laughs> well, whether they like it or not, that may, uh, that may happen to us all eventually anyway. Uh, but let's jump into the calendar here because, as you said, October, man, uh, it's not just Halloween here. There's a ton going on. A lot on. of stuff going on. Yeah. Um, there's a number of swap meets and uh, even a motorcycle show. So uh, we start off with uh, Old Bike Night in Georgetown. Right. And uh, it's, you know, it'll be a little colder. Won't be as many people down there. But there's always some good iron that shows up. Uh, that's on Wednesday, October 4th. Uh, and then on Wednesday, October 6th, if you're out in the Spokane area, the uh, Lone Wolf Harley-Davidson is going to continue doing bike nights out there. Great. And they're moving them indoors now. So you won't be freezing your tail off Which in Spokane. Is, that's a nice thing. Definitely, especially this time of year in Spokane. It can get uh, – it's a little chilly out here, but Spokane, you never know what you're going to see. Uh, if you're down in the Medford area, down in Phoenix, Oregon, uh, talent. See, it's, it's DNS Harley Davidson is having what they call the Talent Harvest Festival Bike Show. It's free to enter your bike for the bike show. Right. So, uh, you know, rather than, than do nothing that day, yeah. go put your bike in the bike show. And then what about the talent part? Are you supposed to uh, bring, like, uh, you know, juggling bowling pins or something like that? I or? think they would not okay. turn you down. <laughs> yeah, right. I think they would allow you to yeah. do that. Can podcasters enter? Uh, if you want to go down yeah. on your bike and bring the podcast studio with you, you can broadcast right out of the parking lot. Well, I wasn't talking about me. I was going to try to find somebody with some actual talent, but... Oh, <laughs> I thought that's why we had you on the show. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, Central Washington, also on Saturday the 7th, is the uh, Abate-Grant County Swap Meet. And then following that on Sunday is the Abate-Oregon Swap Meet. Uh, except I don't have the... I don't have the day, the uh, location on the Oregon right here, but it's on our calendar. There are a lot of uh, swap meets going on this month. And by the way, right. speaking of our calendar, we always highlight calendar events, but you know we keep a full calendar running. Yeah. Soundwriter.com backslash calendar, and uh, if if you have an event that you want to post up, it's it's no charge to yep. do it, and you can post as many as is reasonable. 
I don't particularly like to have club meetings put up there. Right. But uh, if you've got a ride going on, if you've got a fundraiser going on, a barbecue, a bike show, a demo day, uh, all that stuff, we'd love to have it in the calendar. The more, the merrier. And also, for those listening, you know, we talk a lot about how um, during the summertime, obviously, that's riding season. So dealers don't do a lot of events all the time. But once it rolls into fall and winter, a lot of times you will start seeing things like more swap meets or more video nights and that kind of thing. So keep that mm-hmm. in mind because there's a lot of stuff to, uh, to get involved with. Yeah, your, your motorcycle enthusiasm doesn't end on September 30th. It certainly shouldn't. No. Uh, let's see. The 14th, you could head down to Puyallup and there'll be flat track on Saturday. Uh, it usually starts in the afternoon. Just check our site and you can get the link out for that. Uh, also, you could start on the 14th by going to South Sound Motorcycles in Fife, Washington, just up the road from Puyallup. Yeah. And they're going to have hot dogs and refreshments all afternoon. Beautiful. So I uh, could do that. Also on the 14th, oh, and this is uh, right down the street from South Sound Motorcycles. you got Destination Harley-Davidson is having the Think Pink Breast Cancer Awareness event. Always nice to ride for a good cause. Yeah, I'm not sure. There is a whole list of stuff that they're doing. I, uh, when you get to the destination site, you'll see everything that's going on around it. I think they have like a band and that sort of thing. I don't know if they'll be doing a ride, maybe. That's great. Uh, but here's a ride. Uh, 21st on a Saturday, uh, Skagit Power Sports is going to run a dual sport adventure ride. And uh, most of their rides are up there in the Arlington, Darrington area. Uh, up in the Cascades, uh, I have seen it where they even run these rides, rain or shine. Sure. So even if it's raining and you're not worried about a little wet dirt road, yeah. you could still get out and ride. Just make sure you've got the appropriate gear and uh, keep yourself warm, you know. Get some uh, some hot uh, coffee and head on out. It's a good time up there. Yeah. Beautiful country. Uh, also on Saturday the 21st, South Sound Motorcycles down in Fife is having a parts and apparel swap. Um, on this one, you can go and put your drop your stuff off at the store ahead of time and get it checked in. Price, you know, put whatever price you want to put on it. Uh, they do take a small percentage on sales of that stuff, but it's a great place to uh, you know everything that you're tired of wearing that you want to get new gear for next next year. You just go sell all your old stuff now. Yeah. Well, you know, that's something we talk a lot about parts swap, but we don't talk about gear swap enough because a lot of times you do. You get a, a jacket and you wear it a couple times and you feel like, yeah, you know what? This doesn't really quite fit the way I want it to. And, uh, I mean, even you get on Craigslist, you see a lot of stuff that's been barely used. Yeah, um, or like I dropped my helmet six times and then I decided yeah. to sell it. Yeah, yeah, you know. Don't do that. <laughs> don't sell your dropped helmet or don't buy a dropped helmet. All right, if you really want to get adventurous, and I mean you really want to get adventurous, you get yourself a plane ticket right now to Tokyo. And you go to the Tokyo Motor Show on the 25th of October. I think you need to do it. Now, I would imagine that the Tokyo Motor Show is probably pretty spectacular, right? I would think so. Yeah, with all the uh, Japanese OEMs, I bet you're probably seeing some pretty futuristic stuff out there. Yeah. Count yeah. me in. Including the uh, Honda Balance Bike. Yeah, that's right. It'll be there. So I'm just going to submit my expense report to Soundrider. We'll get that taken care of. I'll go out there and report. Oh, is this going to be like like one of them $100,000 private jet things? Well, I mean, 
that seems like you just said about the talent, right? I mean, you got to make sure I'm taken care of. So, <laughs> all right, and then uh, Saturday the twenty eighth. At Cycle Barn, this is always a favorite. Uh, it's going on all day. It's the Halloween costume contest. Have you ever participated, Tom Marin, in a Halloween costume contest motorcycle-related event? Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. What would be your go-to costume, do you think, at one of these events? Uh, I think I would wear a bathrobe yeah. and a helmet. Okay. And then people would ask me who I was, and I would tell them I was Hugh Hefner You're just right. riding in from a motorcycle trip. The ghost of Hugh Hefner. The ghost of <laughs> Hugh Hefner now. It looms over all publications, including us here at Soundrider, for sure. <laughs> I like that. I'm looking forward to seeing that purple robe out there on that yellow Honda. Yeah. yeah. And I wear the down booties. Why not? Yeah, of course. We want to stay warm. <clears throat> I like that, though. That's a good suggestion. All right. That's our calendar, and uh, we're going to take a little break here. When we come back, we've got an interview with uh, John C- Jonathan Cook, who's been riding his motorcycle around the western United States doing some good things. We'll be right back. Support for Sound Rider and the Sound Rider Show is made possible in part by Linwood Motoplex, your gateway to motorcycling adventure in the Pacific Northwest. Choose from brands like Indian, KTM, BMW, Kawasaki, Victory, Yamaha, Can-Am, and more. Family owned and operated for over 25 years. Linwood Motoplex is your one-stop shop for fun. Hello, my name is Jack. I'm from Marysville. One of my favorite roads to ride on in the state of Washington is the Canyon Road that goes from Sela, Washington to Ellensburg. And the best time to ride it is generally after 6 o'clock on a uh, weekday because there's no state patrol. Thanks. Hello, this is Bob Owen from the Sound Rider crew. The Northwest is indeed a great place to ride a motorcycle both on the pavement and off. But right now, you're listening to the Sound Rider Show. Back on the Soundwriter Show, and uh, Derek has disappeared. He's like left the building. I don't know. Maybe, maybe he's out taking a smoke. Except he doesn't smoke. I don't want to speak badly of people when they're out of the room, but you know, sometimes he's so irresponsible. He just disappears like this. Yeah, he just walks out, and then I don't know what happens to him. I don't know if he went to go buy a new motorcycle finally, yeah. or you know, I predicted this year he was going to buy a new motorcycle. Oh, maybe he just couldn't wait any longer. So maybe he just had to go. So everybody can hear Connie talking. So Connie's here, and she's uh, joined me, and we have a very special guest here today. Uh, the gentleman's name is Jonathan Cook, and he's from Chicago. And you say, why does Soundwriter have some guy from Chicago on the show? <laughs> and you can tell he's got a great laugh, too. <laughs> and so uh, what, what, the deal here is that uh, Jonathan is on a tour of sort of the western United States, uh, six-month sabbatical. He lives in Chicago. He works for Deloitte. And... Uh, 
He's taken a six-month sabbatical, and he's going around to different cities in the U.S. and volunteering his time for a number of different things. Uh, while he's here in Seattle, he's been working over at the Treehouse Organization. And uh, I, I know, because I've been reading his blog, that he's uh, helping them convert all their Windows 8.1 computers over to Windows 10 at no charge. <laughs> so we got to ask the question you're 26 years old. What gave you the inspiration to drop everything and go for a motorcycle ride? Sure. Uh, well, th- first, thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Um, so, yeah, I guess um, when we talk about the, the motorcycle ride part, um, uh, motorcycle, I mean, it's kind of in my blood. Um, so my dad um, and my uncles, um, they are big-time Harley okay. guys. Um, and so they've done all kinds of different rides all over the place. Um, and so for me, you know, ever since I was a little kid, um, you know, my dad used to take me to school on the Harley, uh, and pick me up from school (laughs) on the last day on the Harley. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I was, (laughs) at least I felt like I was a cool kid. Um, and so, yeah, it's always just been one of those things. Um, I always have known that I wanted to get my license and then, you know, go out and do kind of a a big trip. And so Mm -hmm. got my license uh, a few years back and, um, basically the firm that I work for Deloitte, they offer this great opportunity to take a sabbatical which is take six months off um and it's uh, partly paid and they let you oh, go out nice. and um basically do something to grow personally um and so i decided you know what a better opportunity to go out and do some volunteer work and then at the same time kind of go on this big ride perfect so yeah. how, how long have you worked at deloitte to get to that point um i've been working at, at deloitte uh for about four years now um, but they'll actually, they'll let you take the sabbatical after just about two years. Um, oh, nice. yeah, so it's a pretty incredible program. Um, a great firm to work for. And yeah, I've just been really lucky, um, kind of getting to start my career there, uh, right out of college. Do you have to prove that you're going to do something? You know, do you have to tell them what you're going to do? It's yeah. like, I'm going to go out and pick frogs up out of puddles. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so you, not- you, you definitely have to let them know what you're up to. Um, you kind of, you submit this application, which is kind of like building a business case for why they should let you go out there and kind of do this um i kind of left out the fact that i'd be on my motorcycle i didn't think it was too important for them um but yeah they don't need to know that exactly yeah yeah but basically yeah the the application process it's pretty straightforward um you know it's just working with them um and just you know if you have a good idea and you know they think that you know it'll help you grow and consequently help the firm grow then they're all about it that's great. Yeah. So uh, this is a five-city tour for you, and mm-hmm. you've already been to Denver and Salt Lake. Tell us what you did in Denver and Salt Lake. Yeah, yeah. So when I was in Denver, um, I was working with the food bank there. Uh, it's called the Food Bank of the Rockies. And um, in Denver, it was my first stop, and so I wanted to kind of just, like, you know, kind of set the tone for the whole sabbatical. And so what I did is, um, you know, I guess – to kind of back up for a second, all of the groups that I'm working with, they all support low-income families mm. um, or youth. Um, and so, you know, I'm, I'm working with different organizations along the way. And so at the first one at the food bank, I kind of wanted to basically just go in and do just kind of like some standard volunteer work. Um, so I actually worked just at their warehouse um, oh, okay. for like four weeks. Um, so I worked at the warehouse, kind of like, you know, helping fill out orders, bringing all the, like the food, reclaiming like food that's been donated, uh, working in the kitchen. 
kitchen, preparing meals wow. for the kids, things like that. Um, so yeah, really like the first stop, it was great. I was just basically just doing kind of standard volunteer work. And I thought that was a great way to kind of, you know, come off of my last job, which, you know, being a IT consultant or a technology consultant, you know, very demanding, long mm-hmm. hours, um, lots of travel, things like that. It was good to kind of settle in, in the first city. Um, so then when I went to Salt Lake city, um, I was working with a, um, homeless shelter called the road home. Um, and so it's the biggest homeless shelter, um, in Utah. And, uh, I basically worked at the front desk there. Um, so again, kind of just, you know, doing what I can to help out the organization. Um, but there in particular, I was in a position where I was working more on a daily basis, like with those who are actually being supported by the oh, organization. Nice. So you got to firsthand see what was going on. And yeah, people exactly. Go mm-hmm. Yeah. So I worked at the front desk, um, there at the road home and, you know, basically being at the front desk, you know, it's dealing with people either like face to face or over the phone, um, who are likely, you know, just fell upon homelessness, um, or whatever their situation is and just trying to help them kind of, you know, get back up on their feet. Yeah. That's yeah. great. Mm-hmm. So now you're here in Seattle, and I kind of gave it away, but tell us a little bit more about what you're doing with the Treehouse organization. Yeah, sure. Yeah, so I'm um, th- it's great. I'm, I'm at, like you said, I'm at the Treehouse organization, and so they um, are a group here in Seattle who are trying to help. Um, they support basically foster care youth, and like their biggest goal that they have is um, to reach um, like graduation rate equity. Um, among uh, foster care youth and their peers, right? So um, about five years ago, um, you know, Treehouse, they basically saw that there were declining rates um, of the graduation rates amongst foster care youth. And so they said, you know, we want to try and do whatever we can to build up those graduation rates for high school within Seattle um, for foster care youth in comparison to their peers. Mm -hmm. Um, So they've been doing a great job with that. Um, They just released some numbers and they are basically, when looking at five-year graduation rates, um, foster care youth are actually graduating at a higher rate. Then, oh, that's great, yeah, then the their help. peers. Mm-hmm, exactly, yeah. Um, so, in particular, what I'm doing there is um, I'm helping out in their IT department. Um, so, I'm kind of doing sort of like skills based volunteer work. Um, so, at each of the places that I went along the way, I offered up kind of my technology background and said, hey, if you have any projects that you'd like me to work on, I'd be happy to do so. And um, Treehouse did an amazing job of kind of um, you know, once they saw that they went amongst, you know, their teams there and they said, Hey, does anybody have any tech projects? And it looks like basically the, um, IT department, they're moving. Yeah. They're basically upgrading, um, all of their mm-hmm. operating systems. Um, so I've been helping out with that. Um, and yeah, it's been a blast. Um, so I've, you know, I'm back to working kind of, uh, behind a computer, um, and doing kind of like, you know, the techie thing and, you know, like channeling my inner nerd and everything. Uh, and I absolutely love that. You know, that's kind of what my career is based around. So it's been great. So just as fall blows into Seattle, you miraculously planned your tour to drop south, and you're going to go to San Francisco, Tucson. What are you going to be doing in those two places? That's right. Yes, yes. So I'm going to start (laughs) to move south and kind of get um, into the warmer climates on the bike. Um, So in San Francisco, I'll be working with another food bank, uh, the San Francisco Marine County Food Bank. But there I'll actually be helping out um, with their policy and advocacy group. Um, so instead, um, so basically their policy group is working currently, um, to figure out sort of kind of a a strategy, if you will, around how they can, um, how they can kind of, 
um, work with the state and like work with the organizations and the departments at the state um, to kind of better um, the applications, the, to- the software applications that surround and that support basically the administration of programs such as like food stamps, things like that. So maybe streamlining and make things a little easier. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so I'll be helping them out using kind of my background that I had. Um, when I was at Deloitte, I was spent four years up in uh, Madison, Wisconsin, um, helping enhance the system up there that supports all the welfare programs. Oh, okay. So I'll be taking some of my experience there uh, to San Francisco and helping them with that. And then in Tucson, kind of to like ramp down um, and you know have some time for reflection, I'll be working um, with Habitat for Humanity and oh, just you know great. getting my hands dirty building a house. Yeah. So. Mm, yeah, yeah. so are you doing help four weeks in each city? About that, yeah. It's um, a little bit. Um, it kind of varies. I guess I was in I was in Denver for four weeks, a little bit less time in Salt Lake, kind of three and a half, and then five weeks here in Seattle, oh, five yeah. weeks in San Fran, and then about four in Tucson. Oh, great. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's been great. It's been a blast, and kind of it, it varies each place. How many people I know, and kind of what my connection is with mm-hmm. each one. Like here in Seattle, my best friend is from Seattle, okay. and I've been like you know hanging out with his family, and I've been staying with some of my college buddies. And oh, nice. It's almost like it's hard in Seattle to you know like catch up with everyone that I know here, you know, before I leave. Yeah. Um, whereas in Salt Lake City, I actually didn't know a single person. Um, so I stayed in an Airbnb and kind of just had to meet friends on the fly. And so yeah. that was a really interesting experience. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. So obviously um, the reason that I asked you to come on the show today is that I want to, to – I kind of want you to be an inspiration for other people here. We have a lot of listeners. We have a lot of readers. And um, a lot of people – are, some of them are retired that read our magazine. Some of them have a lot of skills. Some of them are working somewhere that would give them a sabbatical. And so you, you're kind of uh, bringing out the point that you can do a little motorcycle touring and slip in a sabbatical together at the same time. Exactly, yeah. And I think that that's, you know, I think that's a... Um that's a good point that you raise, right? Is, you know, I think that there are a lot of times there where, you know, we think about, you know, what we can do with our time. And, um, a lot of times, you know, we say, well, we can either do something that's kind of like a hobby, right? Something that's just kind of for us. We're going to do something else that maybe isn't necessarily for us, maybe for others. Um, but what I find really interesting is kind of, you know, being able to mix the two. And that's exactly Mm -hmm. what I tried to do with my trip. You know, I mean, I knew that I wanted to kind of do something personal and kind of get on the bike and, you know, figure out what that was going to be like and you know, travel around the western part yeah. of the states but at the same time i wanted to give back and so you know i didn't see any reason why we couldn't kind of do the both at the same time mm-hmm. um, and i think there's a lot of opportunities out there especially you know if you're looking to do something um in kind of the nonprofit space or in, in, in a space where you can volunteer your time you know mm-hmm. like so many of the organizations that i've worked with have just been so flexible um, with helping me get set up like, you know, in the city and things like that. Um, because they understand, you know, they really appreciate that you're giving your time, Mm -hmm. um, to help them. And so, you know, if there's something else on the side that you're doing, like, you know, going around on your motorcycle and maybe it takes you a little while to get from place to place or things like that, you know, they're really accommodating. Um, so it's kind of just been a great mix of the two. Were they really interested when you approached them? Was it like, why, why would you come from Chicago and do this? Or were they like, that's fabulous, come on in? Yeah, you know what? I mean, it's a little bit of both, I would say. Yeah, I mean, definitely, um, you know, when I tell people that I'm from Chicago and, you know, I'm out here in Seattle, they're like, oh, my gosh, why would you come all the way out here? Um, but, you know, it, yeah, just, I mean, across the board, 
all of the volunteer coordinators and individuals that I've worked with at these organizations are just so they're just so happy to have you, you know, Mm -hmm. and even if it's just for, you know, a few days or a couple hours or, you know, however much time you can give, they're just so, so genuinely grateful. grateful. Exactly. Yeah. To, you know, be able to, um, you know, just have you help. Mm -hmm. So, so you, you kind of touched on it. Um, how do you go about getting a place to stay whenever you're, you just like uh, get on Facebook and find out who will have you in or what's going on? Um, yeah. So that was an interesting thing. Um, I mean, one thing I knew about being on the bike, right. Was that I would kind of, um, have to force myself. Like, like I, at first I was like, Oh, well maybe I'll just like get a van or a car. And then that way, like anywhere I go, I'll just like sleep in the van. Mm Um, but you know, getting a motorcycle, I realized that I'd have to find some places. So in places where I know people, I was really, really amazed at just like the amount of support that people were willing to show. Um, in particular, when I was in Denver, um, there was actually, I didn't know anyone in Denver proper. Um, but there was a friend of a friend and, Mm -hmm. um, my buddies, they basically kind of talked and, you know, my one friend was like, Hey, my, my buddy's coming out to Denver. Like, you know, I know you live out there. Do you mind kind of putting him up and this guy had never met me ever um and he was like yeah like you know bring it you know tell him to contact me and we'll figure something out and um yeah he basically he he housed me um for for four weeks in denver um like at no cost and so yeah it's it's amazing i mean and the snoring wasn't a problem no no (laughs) he actually gave me he i had my own room in Denver. Wow. Yeah, I had my own room and like it was it was so amazing. So I've just been amazed um, you know, at every single part of this trip at just how um it's just how amazing people are and you know how willing they are to kind of help you out, you know, especially, mm-hmm. you know, I, I feel like, you know, for me, um kind of doing this whole thing where I'm working with nonprofits and everything, you know, just everybody's just been so great. Um so I did that. Um in Salt Lake, I didn't know anybody, so I did an Airbnb. Airbnb is fantastic. That yeah. was really cool. I ended up becoming really good friends, actually, with my Airbnb host. Um, so that was just a great experience. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, in Tucson. Tucson's the only thing I don't know what I'm going to do yet. So, mm-hmm. um, a little mystery. Yeah, I'm. there's this thing called, like, I mean, so we don't have this in the Midwest, but they have, like, you guys probably know BLM land, like Bureau oh, of yeah. Land yeah. Management. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, you can basically camp there for free. And I have my tent and all that good stuff. And, like, the weather's pretty good in Arizona. So mm-hmm. I might just camp for, yeah. like, a month. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. It kind of depends. Wow. So you've been here in the Puget Town for, what, three weeks now? Uh, I've been here, yeah, for four weeks. Been I guess a little bit smoky. Uh, yeah, it has been a little smoky. Okay. I was up in Vancouver too, and oh. kind of same same thing up there too. Yeah. Have you gotten out on the bike and toured around? Of course, yeah. And so what are you what are you liking? Oh my gosh, the roads out here are just absolutely amazing. Um, I love how big some of the interstates are, and like you know how they wind and turn like through the mountains, but they're still just so massive. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I just feel like I'm in like a video game, like as I'm like cruising <laughs> through some of those. Like I think it's basically when you come in on nine and kind of just basically like cruise into the city not like very close but you know maybe like 50 60 miles out yeah, or whatever yeah that's Snoqualmie pass mm-hmm. yeah exactly you I just mean, like turn the bike around and go ride it again <laughs> yeah no I seriously <laughs> like I mean like I said like I feel like I'm in a video game like I can just like kind of zip and dart and move whatever direction that I want because uh, it's like it's got to be what a four lane highway oh, yeah. and you know with a bike I mean that's basically like 12 bike widths so I mean it's yeah it was amazing <laughs> and you're the only one on the road and you can go between lanes. Lanes because there's nobody else on the road. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah. There were a few. <laughs> but yeah, it's great. And um, honestly, just driving around Seattle is fun too. I mean, like, there's so many like little neighborhoods. I mean, oh, yeah. yeah. I guess like a little dangerous at times, or like feel, especially when it starts to rain. Um, well, six a.m. on Sunday morning, you go out riding Magnolia. <laughs> oh yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah, but it's it's just kind of fun. I, I actually enjoy one of the things that I've really liked is like all grow like so for me, you know, being 26 years old, my whole life I've just always had Google Maps in my pocket, oh, yeah. and you know, it's just never been a question to just pull out my phone and just you know like figure out where to go and have GPS <laughs> and, and then stuff. You found yourself on a dirt road. Right? Yeah, and that's like, <laughs> and that's what I just really have enjoyed, and I find that a lot here in Seattle too, because like you take one, you know, you try to memorize the directions, you take one wrong turn, and then you end up like on a one way street, and then you can't get back going the way you want to go, and then the street starts to bend. Or you think you're going to go over there, but there's a lake in the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah that too. But I really, I've come to enjoy that. And um, so, yeah, I mean, like, you know, maybe I get places a little bit slower, but that's fine by me. Yeah. So uh, you got a Harley Davidson, mm-hmm. 26 years old. Yeah. And I tell you, Harley would, would I got to believe, have they already talked to you? They must want to talk to you. <laughs> oh, no. They I don't yeah. have very many 26-year-old <laughs> motorcycle Yeah. Owners. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's funny um, because a lot of people, when they – and they ask me, you know, like, I'm like, oh, yeah, I have my motorcycle. And they kind of ask me what bike I have. And I tell them, well, I have a Harley. And, like, a lot of people are very surprised by that. I guess for me, growing up in a family where, like, my dad, my uncle. Oh, yeah, you were like, in the Midwest. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, you know, I was 90 minutes from Milwaukee. And so for me, it was, like, it was Harley or bust. I yeah, mean, yeah. There was, like, no way I was going to do this You'd thing. You'd get kicked out of the else. family otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, seriously. <laughs> well, I think you should get a hold of Harley Davidson. If I don't know, you know, I, I think this would be an interesting story for them to tell their customers mm-hmm. that a guy who's 26 years old took off. What model do you have on your Harley? Um, so I have a brand new Street Bob, actually. Okay. Um, yeah, so it's a 2017. It's a Dyna Street Bob. Um, I love it. I mean, it's basically, you know, it's it's the biggest bike that's, like, the most stripped down. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it's got, it's got the... Um, it's got the 107 engine, um, and yeah, I mean the thing just rips, and it's it's amazing. Uh, yeah. yeah, they would love that. I think they would eat this up. Yeah. yeah, it's interesting. So I never, you know, I never really thought about you know like reaching out to anyone really, and then kind of came here to Seattle in Treehouse. They just have a Treehouse has this amazing kind of marketing team. It's like this two or three person team, but they just do a really great job, and. Um, they were like, yeah, you know, if you don't mind it, you know, we're going to kind of float your story out there to some folks and see, mm-hmm. you know, if it gets picked up. And, um, yeah, I mean, like, you know, it got picked up by the Seattle Times. And um, it kind of made me realize, I guess, that, like, yeah, I guess maybe, like, you know, this I is something, something that people special. would be <laughs> interested in seeing. <laughs> yeah. So. So is this a, is this a, a once-in-a-lifetime deal or maybe this is something you're going to do every three or five years? No, yeah, this is definitely not once-in-a-lifetime. I mean, um Maybe this particular, I guess, you know, format or, you know, whatever I'm doing is maybe once in a lifetime. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know if I would ever kind of do the whole West Coast thing again, but I mean, it's, it's, it's sparked all kinds of crazy ideas in my head. The other day I was thinking like about just like kind of, have you guys ever seen um, the movie Motorcycle Diaries? 
The the movie? Yeah. 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 That's the like, one where they have a motorcycle in the movie until about halfway through and then you never see another motorcycle <laughs> yeah, again. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I saw yeah. That. yeah. Yeah, so it's about it's about Che Guevara and it's basically like him and his buddy they grab they have like yeah. an old Newton motorcycle and they go up from I think he's from uh from like Buenos Aires, I think, and they just go all the way up through like, you know, South America and the other day I was talking to a good friend of mine and it just kind of reminded me of watching that movie with her and I was like, well, maybe someday I'll take my bike and go all the way down. Mm-hmm. I just think it'd be, I just think it'd be so cool, especially like on a, on a motorcycle. I just love the idea that you're kind of landlocked. I mean, you're not necessarily, you can obviously throw it on like a freight or whatever, mm-hmm. but I like the idea that it's kind of like you have to get to where you're going, like only by land and, you know, so I, I you know, I've, I've, I've thought a little bit about taking it outside of the U.S. I was just up in Canada. Uh, actually um i was in um beautiful yeah i was in bc and i uh, did the sea to sky highway oh yeah oh my gosh you could practice water unreal. crossings on our ferries here <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah yeah definitely um but yeah so so yeah this i don't think it's it's definitely not it's it's the first kind of trip like this but it's definitely not the last yeah. um yeah okay. and you have no problem like when there's just long stretches of oh, I like, straight, you like that? I live for it. Because, oh, okay. I mean, I'm a big kind of, um, I do a lot of, like, um, kind of self-reflection. And, mm. you know, I, I like to think a lot. And so, yeah, for me, I mean, sometimes some of the best days are when, you know, I have, like, just like 800 miles in front of me, and I just wow. gotta like take it down. Oh, like, we got a list of other motorcycle movies you need to see. <laughs> yeah, that would be great. That would be super awesome. I would love to check and them that all one out. One with the kid from the Beastie Boys and John Doe. I can't recall the name of it right now. You gotta see that. Okay. That's a good one. Yeah. I remember the name of one of the songs, and it was called Beer Gas Ride Forever. <laughs> <laughs> right on. All right. Well, thank you so much, Jonathan, for coming on today. And and maybe we've inspired a couple other people to take up what you're doing and and repeat it a little bit. And uh, our best to you when you're out there on the road. Awesome. Well, yeah, thank you again so much for having me. This was a a blast. This was really fun. And I enjoyed talking with you guys. Great. It was wonderful having you here. Thanks. All right. So uh, the truth is we actually recorded this uh, a day before the – the rest of the recording of the show, but I'm going to go find Derek and we're going to come back. Yeah. And when we come back, we're going to have a couple tips and tricks for you. <laughs> Support for the Soundwriter show is provided in part by Moon Motorcycles, a family run operation located in Issaquah, Washington. Moon Motorcycles features a diverse selection of used bikes to choose from. Whether you're shopping for a used sport bike, cruiser, dual sport, sport touring, or street standard, you owe it to yourself to visit Moon Motorcycles and look over their large inventory. Have you got a used bike you want to consign? Get in touch with Moon Motorcycles today. Hi, this is Tracy Jeffries, and I'm one of the Dirty Girls. And one of the places that I love to go get dirty at is over in the Leavenworth Plain area. Good morning, this is Wayne Elston from South Sound Motorcycles, and you're listening to The Sound Rider Show. Crows in that studio, and I am. Uh, I'm looking forward to this interview today. Here, Tom, uh, uh, you know, uh, 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 
What? We did it. We did what? We already did the interview. Well, then how the hell is that possible? Well, because would... you walked out and then you disappeared and and Jonathan showed up and we didn't know where you were. Well, you know, I can't do the show. I have I have to have tea. Like I just went out. It was just a couple of minutes. You Where's... went to go get tea because I'm out of tea here. So you went to go buy tea in the middle of like when we're supposed to do an interview. Well, but Jonathan's coming in now, right? I haven't seen him. He's here. So and he came and he left. Where, where'd you go to get your tea? Well, I mean, I had to go, you know, pick it fresh. I don't want this junk tea. I had to get some some good stuff. <laughs> nope. The interview's already done, and you've missed it. All right. So now what? We're in the final segment? And and, and I already sort of alluded to it. Is it we're, all, we're just horsing around. Yeah. We actually recorded the interview with Jonathan ahead of time. Well, I've got a tip so. and trick. Keep your friends close and your enemies closer. I mean, that's it. <laughs> So, uh, so yeah, we're going to get into some tips and tricks here to close up the show. With. Let's do it. Yeah. Do you got something or you want me to go ahead and get it started off here? Uh, you go ahead and do it. Okay. Uh, so my tip and trick for the month of October, you know, the colder weather sometimes does make us hesitate a little bit on some of those longer touring jaunts, but that doesn't mean you still can't get together with your friends, you know, ride to someone else's garage, kind of talk bikes a little bit. And when you do that, my tip is to ride your friend's bikes. Now, this is something that I've been thinking about a, uh, a lot, which is that I haven't ridden a ton of bikes. Can I know people. Hang on a second while I put yeah. my eyeballs back in my head. <laughs> no, this is all right. This is good, right? Because it's nice to have experience on some different models of motorcycles, right? That improves, I think, your overall capability. Can you hold, hold on a second while a few of my friends put their <laughs> eyeballs back in their head now? Now, why is this so devastating to you, Tom Marin, as a tip? Don't you think it's a good idea to get experience on some different motorcycles? Uh, yeah, go rent one. Well, you can rent one, but I yeah, mean... Yeah, no, so so what we what we remember from the rally in the gorge early on was there was people who were bike swapping out at the Mary Hill Road. Yeah. And on no, several occasions, uh, those bikes got totaled. Well, if you notice, for this particular tip, I prefaced it with you are at your friend's garage. So I'm talking about taking it up and down the street. I don't think that you okay. should go out and tour on your friend's motorcycle. Um, and if you do, certainly let them know ahead of time. But I think it's a good idea <laughs> to get some experience on some different motorcycles because, look, over the course of our motorcycling career, we are going to have several different models. And it's nice to have a little experience before you go in to buy that next model to figure out wh what works best for you. Well, I, I agree with you on yeah. that. And I, and I do think uh, if you don't have any friends, you should definitely go and rent some motorcycles this, this fall. Well, I was going to say rent some friends. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah, rent them from your yeah, friends, right. rent them from a rental place. I don't care. Yeah. No, but I think uh, I mean for me, that's something that I've been thinking a lot about is trying to get some uh, some more experience on some different motorcycles. So, hey, if you have some willing friends, be part of the process. Do a little uh, test ride day with these. Plus, if my buddies. friends ride my motorcycles, they can tell me everything that's wrong with them because I'm deaf, so right. I can't actually hear all the bad machinations going on. Well, you're deaf and you have noise-canceling headphones in, so you don't know what's going on <laughs> yeah. around you. I can't hear a thing now. Yeah. <laughs> but let's see. What uh, what tip do you have for the uh, listeners this month? So um, this is for my listeners who are 50 and over, of which we probably have a few of. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I always uh, – I told you earlier about um, some back pain I was having. Yeah. And so I really had to work to get rid of it. And uh, some hot and cold twice a day on the back, that was, that was helpful. But my brother tipped me off to something that's like 6,000-year-old Chinese medicine. All right. 
you get on all fours and you walk like a bear for 50 yards. Okay. So I did it, and uh, I was amazed at how my back didn't hurt after I sat 40 minutes after that. Interesting. And um, so I'm looking forward to my next back walk because i got a little sciatica down the right leg right now. And uh, it really released, and, and, uh, and I did my homework on this. I looked it up and read a lot of different uh, information on it. Turns out that bear walking which is really simple. I don't have to tell you how to do it other right. than just get down on all fours, walk like a bear with your butt up in the air, and you're hauling around the weight of your body. And so now you're working all the muscles up in your shoulders, uh, your biceps, your triceps, your glutes, your back, everything's getting all the primary muscles that you might work out in like a seven or ten point circuit of, of weight training. Sure. You're working them out when you're bear walking. No question. Um, and at, at, at 50 feet or 50 yards, 150 feet, I broke one heck of a sweat. Yeah, I bet. So uh, give it a shot or talk to your doctor first if you think you need to do that. But uh, if you're like me and you experience some chronic back pain, uh, give the bear walk a shot. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a good suggestion. I actually incorporate, they call them mountain climbers, into my workout where you get down on all fours and you, this is a little more aggressive here, but you jump one foot up and then one foot back. So you, like, you alternate your feet up to your hands when you're on all fours. Oh, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, so I'll have those, to see a demonstration of that. They call those mountain climbers. They can be pretty brutal, but it's good total body workout. So yeah, yeah. And you should never ride with it. I mean, if you can avoid riding with a sore back, why wouldn't you do that, right? Yeah, and your back can get sore riding because you're yeah. sitting all day. It's true. So you got to kind of release all this pressure off your spinal column. And and for us geezers, it it happens, you know, uh, all too frequently the older we get. So. It's true. That's an excellent, uh, an excellent tip. Be comfortable while you ride. Well, I think that's the, uh, that's the October show there, huh? That sounds like the October show has come to an end. It has, yeah. Well, happy Halloween to uh, you and everyone listening. October's still a good month to ride, though. That's another tip. Make sure you still get out there while you have the chance. Absolutely. And we will see you back here in November on The Soundwriter Show. The Soundwriter Show was made possible by today's sponsors and the patience of everyone else involved, which is not to say we're doctors. Reproduction of this program in part or in whole is not legal without the express written consent of the podcast owner. But please be sure to share the link with all your Facebook friends. This program is a production of Mixed Media. The content and views of today's guests do not necessarily reflect the opinions of any major media conglomerate anywhere else in the world, including CBS, NBC, ABC, MotoGP, the BBC, PBS, NPR, the Discovery Network, or the Cartoon Channel. See you next time on the Sound Rider Show.